1: Welcome to my 386th ever show of all-around sports. Each Monday at noon Eastern time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, AP Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, I hope everybody is staying healthy out there, and let's jump right into it uh, where my highlight of the week remains. NFL free agency is the closest thing we have right now to topical sports during this unprecedented time in our world. We all know the signings that have occurred over the past few weeks, but what about who is still out there? And it's specifically Cam Newton, who released black and white video of himself working out over the weekend. And another quarterback, Jameis Winston. And this leads right into my low light of the week, which is here in New England, where everybody is adjusting to the reality of the Patriots without Tom Brady, and who will ultimately be the quarterback. Right now, the quarterbacks on the Patriot roster consist of Jared Stedham, Cody Kessler, and Brian Hoyer, which leads to the big question of would Cam or Jameis be a potential fit and the biggest thing i see as a hindrance to that is just their large large personalities uh to say tom brady who i've had the pleasure to witness up close and personal as a season ticket member for the past 20 years hard to believe is a company man would be uh an understatement he's the been the ultimate company man right down to taking Less pay so they could build a better team around them. And that worked. Paid off in six Super Bowls. And both Cam and Jameis have <clears throat> huge personalities. And you just have to wonder how that would work with uh, with Coach Bill Belichick. It's uh, a very intriguing question, to put it mildly. <clears throat> both were overall number one picks. Cam Newton, uh, as my uh, colleague like AP likes to say, AP Stedham, that he had until Joe Burrow maybe the greatest season in the history of college football. And AP covers Alabama, so he was witnessing some of those games during Cam's amazing senior year. And we all know he was the MVP 2015 for, for a 15 and 1 team went to the super bowl where he got roughed up pretty bad by the denver broncos and uh and frankly hasn't been the same since Uh, a lot of injuries foot and shoulder to be specific and uh in this strange time uh nobody knows exactly how healthy he is they look pretty good on the workout video but you know doctors need to examine him, but yet they can't uh not team doctors given the travel restrictions and what have you and league rules uh, during this current time of uh, keeping those uh, meetings to a minimum, if if at all. So, and Jameis Winston, again, another huge personality. Uh, you can't describe his upside and downside better than just uh, his past year of 30-30, first player in NFL history to have 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. So it's the ultimate feast or famine. Uh, But then you have to go to the other side and see if Bill Belichick can uh, coexist with these large personalities. Uh, He certainly has done it in the past from Randy Moss. And prior to that, of course, Lawrence Taylor, when Belichick was the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants under Bill Parcells. So it's not like Bill Belichick doesn't know how to handle and work with successfully big personalities. So the big talk up here in New England has been, uh, you know, what exactly is going to happen at quarterback. Uh, You're hearing some things about, uh, there's some rumors floating around up here about are they going to make a run at Matthew Stafford at the Detroit Lions course matt patricia's the head coach out there and former patriots defensive coordinator and uh it, that certainly is intriguing uh matt stafford has a heck of an arm but let's face it the lions have just not gotten where they want to go with them no blame on him it just hasn't happened and keep in mind as always that uh Matt Patricia inherited him, so there's not that uh, tie, no different than David Tepper, the new uh, the new owner of the Panthers, uh, as well as Matt Rule, the new coach, inherited Cam Newton, and of course he was released officially just last week. So, it's uh, certainly a lot of meat on those bones, to say the least, Um but yes, it is the hot topic here in New England on whether or not uh, you know they're going to stick with those uh, three quarterbacks again. Jared Stedham had a nice rookie year out of Auburn. Everybody seems to like him. Um, Devin McCordy tweeted out some very positive things about him. Cody Kessler and, of course, Brian Hoyer, the ultimate security blanket, signed with the team for the third time. Uh, Tom Brady's ultimate backup. So it's really, uh, really intriguing to see how it's all going to play out. It is the topic here in New England, and uh, and it will bear watching. Uh, on the flip side, uh, the Patriots pulled a great move. I figured they would, and they did, which was delaying. Uh, extending the payment of season ticket member bills by a couple of months, a few months. So that was terrific on their part. It shows, uh, you know, how aware they are of what's going on in the world today. And next up would be my bizarre story of the week, which is, of course, a world continuing without sports being played. Uh, The Olympics were rescheduled to start in july of 2020 2021 a year from now a little over a year from now and i think it was great that they put a date on it so now all the olympic athletes are uh in a position to uh train accordingly and you know they're used to every four years so now it'll be every five years and uh you know it just gives them certainly a uh you know a time out there to tune their bodies and of course one one of the things that was lost in the cancel the postponement of the olympics for this july was you know all the olympic trials and things i mean it's not just everybody showing up at the olympic venue tokyo in this case and off you go it's tons and tons and tons of olympic trials which are major major crowded events um And, you know, now hopefully these things can all just occur next year. So they made a good move. It was clearly the obvious and the right thing to do. And they did it. And the other thing during this uh, time is just all the stations, ESPN and whatnot, are doing a great job, Baseball Network, with the replays. And uh, today, within the hour, 1 o'clock, Uh, MLB Network is going to replay Game 5 of the 2004 American League Championship Series between the Red Sox and Yankees at Fenway Park. And that, of course, was the epic down 3-0 comeback where the Red Sox won four straight and went on to break the curse and win the World Series. I was at that game. Never forget it. To this day, quite possibly the best sports event I've ever been to in my life. And it was just spectacular. Uh, so I, I'm all set to DVR it and relive that memorable night, hard to believe, uh, 16 years ago. And uh, what i always remember about that game was from when David Ortiz tied it in the eighth inning, descended into extras, to when he won it in, I believe, the 14th or 15th inning. Um you had to exhale on every pitch. I'll never forget uh, Jason Baratek trying to catch Tim Wakefield as A-Rod was rounding the bases uh, one by one, throwing wild pitches because Doug Mirabelli was the knuckleball's personal knuckleball catcher. And for obvious reasons, crazy game. Uh just couldn't catch him, and A Rod went from first to second, second to third. So the potential winning run was on third as uh, pass balls are getting by Veritech. And the other thing I remember, of course, was the game began around 5 p.m. in the afternoon. And I always remember uh, on the way out the door saying I'd be home probably by 9 p.m. or so and got home at like 1 in the morning. It was up to that moment the longest game in Major League Baseball history. And in fact, I think today it occupies the 1 p.m. to 7 p.m. slot, as in six hours, allowed for this game. So uh, really enjoyable watching some of these old games. I watched Game 7, 1984, Celtics-Lakers over the weekend. That was great. That was a where you were. Remember where you were night for everybody up here in New England and really basketball fans everywhere. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. It's our time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today?
4: Hey, doing well, John. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Unprecedented time in our history, and uh, glad to hear you're doing well, and as am I, as am I, and hopefully all of our listeners are as well. And AP, one of our favorite shows every year, is always the announcement of the annual Hall of Fame class. And it happened a couple weeks ago, but we haven't had a chance to get to it, given everything going on. So today is a perfect day, since what's not going on, of course, is live sports in any way, shape, or form, as we know. So I think uh, we always love just taking a walk down memory lane and talking about uh, uh, the new class, which consists of around uh, 15, 20 players, a couple of coaches, and... uh, AP as I look over the list, one name that jumps out of me, out at me uh, because I was in Nashville recently uh, is Steve McNair. Again, he's right there. Alcorn State quarterback in the early '90s, of course, went on to the Tennessee Titans. Actually, took him to the Super Bowl. And AP, when I was in Nashville last year, uh, I was so struck by all the pictures and whatnot of. Steve McNair, all over town, restaurants, what have you, everywhere. Uh, had a very sad ending, uh, where he was murdered, and uh, you know, just a a, a life uh, and a career that was really, uh, you know, quite notable. And again, now he's in the College Football Hall of Fame. And seeing all the pictures reminded me of up here in Boston, AP, when you go to. Into any restaurant, you're going to see a picture of John F. Kennedy. All these, <laughs> always, right. and uh, it reminded me a lot of that. So, what are your you, you, you're familiar with football down south like no other? And uh, what are your memories of Steve McNair?
4: Yeah, he set all those records, John, at the FCS level, and he was the type of player that, it, although he was not in a Power Five conference and or even in the Division One level. He garnered some votes for the Heisman Trophy. So, you know, he's the all-time Alcorn leader, 14,000-plus yards. Uh, you know, he brought that school uh to the national public light, and he ended up being drafted by the Houston Oilers, John, the third pick, Houston Oilers. Imagine that. We haven't heard that name in a while, Houston Oilers. We and, haven't. Uh, we haven't. He, he was a big, strong quarterback, threw the ball all over the field, uh, he won every kind of award with, with Alcorn State, you know, first-team All-American, and the Walter Payton Award. I mean, he was, he was a tremendous quarterback. Uh, could run, could throw, was a good leader. Uh, you know, won the Eddie Robinson recipient as the nation's best historically black college university player. And he, he remains the all-time total yards leader at FCS. FCS history with 16,000 John 16,823 yards
1: Wow Well that'll get you In the Hall of Fame So it's no surprise With those kind of numbers Uh, And you know When I think of the Great football players Coming out of those colleges uh, You know I think Jerry Rice Walter Payton Doug Williams But Steve McNair Is right there with them And they're all Household names Obviously Um, Along with coaches Like Eddie Robinson of grambling and uh so yeah well deserved especially when you mention like the all-time leader in anything in college football is uh an amazing accomplishment and uh i'll go right to your wheelhouse ap ej jr defensive end from alabama in the late 70s someone i'm guessing you're very familiar with
4: yeah ej he was the first big athletic linebacker that played on the outside for Alabama that he could do anything on the field, whether he was chasing down the from the backside to catch the running back or a quarterback, making the sweep on the other side. He can create all kind of havoc, rushing the quarterback, intercept a pass, knock down a pass, block a punt, block a field goal, playing pass coverage. He was one of those types of players, John, that... uh made Alabama look forward to similar uh, type players in the coming years, you know, with a Cornelius Bennett and a Derrick Thomas. He was that first one, you know, know, playing from the outside.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, again, my criteria for Hall of Fame has always been, you know, household name. Is it a name that most sports fans recognize immediately when they hear it? And I think EJ Jr., Certainly falls into that category, no doubt about it. He was a total force. And another one is, you know, Michael Westbrook, wide receiver of Colorado in the early 90s. And, of course, he's part of one of the greatest plays in college football history, uh, right there with uh, the Doug Flutie miracle in Miami. And that, of course, was up at the big house in Michigan when – He caught uh, a Hail Mary from quarterback Cordell Stewart, (laughs) another household name that we all remember, especially when he played for the Steelers. Um, And Michael Westbrook caught that ball. And if I remember correctly, he was defended by Ty Law. Uh, Speaking of Hall of Fame, who just got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame for his work with the Patriots. And uh, so, yeah, AP, uh, Michael Westbrook, uh, again, uh, great career, but when you're part of one of the top five or so college football plays ever, that goes a long way towards getting you in, into somewhere like the Hall of Fame. That's for sure. But he had a great career to go with it.
4: Yeah, he was a big receiver, John, coming out of Detroit. Michigan you know his coach was from that area McCartney coach McCartney so uh, he fit in with that offense there he was quite a threat on the outside 19 career touchdowns which was a record school record at the time Um, and he ended up having about 2,500 yards in his career and he was just a force because John, when you're 6'3", 6'4", and you can react to the ball in the air. We saw him doing that Michigan game, and he can run with the best of them. It's very difficult to guard those types of receivers for an entire game. You might hold him down for a while, but you never really shut him out.
1: Correct. Correct, yes. He was, uh, you know, I can still visualize that play to this day, and it's on everybody's, you know, everybody's great plays ever list, along with, you know, Miracle in Miami, the Stanford California, uh, band, play, all of it. Um, And, you know, another one, again, right in your wheelhouse, AP, and boy, time flies because it seems like yesterday he was playing, was, you know, Glenn Dorsey, defensive tackle for LSU. AP, when he came out, he was like, I remember they were saying things like he was going to be the next Mean Joe Green, you know? I mean, that's how highly thought of. He was so dominant in college. Is that your memory as well?
4: Very difficult to block, John. And, and when you can disrupt from the middle, that's a, that's a tremendous advantage for your team because the quarterback is always thinking about the person in front of them. So that means their feet are moving and not set properly. So, yeah, Glenn was an uh, outstanding defensive lineman for LSU. And uh, he played on that, that championship team. There they had. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I believe that's what Nick Saban to him,
1: really yeah he was in the team from uh you know two thousand four to two thousand seven again it just seems like it was uh, yesterday um, and one thing aside from Steve McNair that y- y- you know all the athletes we've just talked about have in common is you know they didn't go on to the great NFL careers that many people thought they would based on their college careers. And obviously now they're in the college football hall of fame, whether it's again, you know, uh, Glenn Dorsey or, you know, Michael Westbrook, um, you would know better. EJ jr. Uh, how was his NFL career? You'd probably track yeah, that he, better than me.
4: Yeah. He had some, some good years with the Cardinals and ended mm. up playing with, uh, Miami. So he was that type of player, you know, what, you know he came out in um the nineteen eighty one draft, so okay. that was when it's they started to have those those linebackers on the edge that can affect the game like uh, uh, uh lawrence taylor and and those types so yeah he had a pretty good um college um um professional career as well. He played a long time then' got in the coaching field
1: yes, and that you know all of these players. Uh, had, you know, decent, serviceable NFL careers. Uh, it was just that they come out of college as basically future Hall of Famers. Um, so you never know on that front. Um, and no, no. He had a, Yeah, he had a, he
4: had a couple of Pro Bowls, John. EJ did, you know, so.
1: Okay, yeah. So he had a fine career, no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah. well, AP, we still have a lot of players to get to. There was a nice long list, but glad we had a chance to touch on some of them. And uh, so, why don't we take our break now? And we have a lot more to get to on the other side.
2: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand
3: 24-7. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
2: Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. Back on the line with us is our weekly call and expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. A.P. and I spent the last segment talking about the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame class that will be inducted, scheduled to be inducted, in New York City on December 8th, 2020. And this is a show we do pretty much every year. And they were just announced a couple of weeks ago. We always love doing this show, AP. And we went over uh, five or six of the household names that were inducted. Uh, and there's still a lot of names that we all recognize, starting with, uh, you know, David Pollock from Georgia. He's someone we still see every day. Not every day, but every Saturday on college game day and throughout the week. Sometimes it feels like every day on college football shows on ESPN. But (laughs) he was just a fabulous defensive lineman for Georgia from uh, 2001 to 2004 to begin this century. And uh, in fact, he was like lineman of the year. Uh, And AP, I can say one thing for sure, since we all see him uh, these days, he's lost. I'm guessing he must have lost a lot of weight, right?
4: Absolutely, John, and he was the type of player that was relentless at that defensive line position, and he was a playmaker. When you turned turned on the video and watched his performance, I mean, he was knocking down passes, tackling the quarterback, chasing the quarterback, stopping runners at the point of attack, I mean, blocking puns, field goals. I mean, he did everything from that position, I mean, and as you said, there was a consistency with his game. He didn't just come on the scene. By the time he was a senior, I mean, he was a top-notch player, all SEC uh, selection for at least a couple of years. Uh, which is now, you know, that's the most competitive conference for, in course, for defensive linemen probably. Think think about that in and of itself. Not only is he in one of the most one of the best leagues for talent the defensive linemen that come out of that league usually is far and away more than any other conference. So here's David Pollock uh, playing for the University of Georgia, and he, he's, you know, defensive player of the year. I believe that's twice, John, from that league.
1: Yes, it's just amazing, you know, when you think about it. I mean, I'm up here, and, you know, you're always in tune with Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, you know, Richard Seymour, uh, I believe born and raised in South Carolina and played for Georgia. And I think he's uh, up for the Hall of Fame as well and for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, But, you know, on and on and on, AP. That's the type of, you know, defensive lineman we have down there in the SEC. You said it perfectly. But Richard Seymour is, is the first name that pops to mind. He was a, a game wrecker. But anyway, back to college and, yes. David Pollack has, again, become uh, someone we see every day. And yet he just had also just that great career uh, down at Georgia and another great career, and and really an unforgettable career. Uh, Eric Dickerson from SMU, Southern Methodist, played uh, 79 through 82. Uh, I think AP, he might have, you know, he was – after O.J., the first, the the next 2,000 yard rusher, if I remember correctly, in the NFL, but he of course was the Pony Express for SMU, along with Craig James, um, a legendary backfield to put it mildly, as and especially Eric Dickerson, what a talent.
4: Yeah, John, SMU's all-time leader, 4,450 yards, and he's got a, a dozen other school records as well, and he was. Uh, Consistent. He had. He was tall, and he ran upright. But once he got to that open field, you just didn't catch him. I mean, then he went out to the NFL, six-time Pro Bowler. But he was just a tremendous player for SMU, probably one of their better teams. Uh, uh, Ten and one record. They ended up uh, number five in the final ranking, and uh, he was just unstoppable. uh, The college back. Uh, a really, really good ball club. He was third in the Heisman, the unanimous first-team All-American, and I mean, he was on a team also that was number two in the final ranking at eleven zero and one. He and he's two times a Southwest Conference Player of the Year uh, for the Mustangs. So he was he was recruited by everybody. John, right? Went anywhere, literally anywhere from silly Texas, and uh, you know he said he said all the records and. Of course, it's a different era, but, you know, Doug Walker played at SME, if you think about that. So he put right. all those records at SME.
1: He sure did. I mean, and, you know, went on to just a spectacular career with the Rams. Uh, we all remember him wearing the glasses. It was kind of his trademark look under his helmet. And, uh, and you know, as, as David Pollock, we talked about him being uh, someone – we see often on TV for ESPN, College Football Game Day, and beyond. And uh, and Eric Dickerson has you know, he speaks his mind, and he's actually, I believe, yeah. working as an ambassador of sorts for the Rams. And he, uh, he you know, mm-hmm. he comes up with uh, you know his opinions and takes on various things, and and they're being heard, shall we say? Certainly out in LA and beyond. So he, he's an interesting uh, personality as well. And, AP, another one who I remember well running back at Ohio State was Keith Byers. I mean, he he was dominant uh, as a running back uh, in, you know, in the mold of Archie Griffin and so many others. uh, Eddie George would have you, uh, 1982 through 85. And, again, he was just a tremendous player. I think he went on to play for the Eagles, if I remember correctly.
4: Yeah, played for the Eagle, he sure did, and he was the Heisman Trophy runner-up, led the nation in rushing, 1,764 yards, 2,441 all-purpose, and he's, John, scoring 144 points.
1: Wow. Amazing, that's, yes. That's significant.
4: I just remember him. He would, yeah, he was big. He was a big back. I, I don't, you know, he was big. wide, but he could really move, and his legs were always pumping like a piston, just churning yes. and running down the field. Uh, number forty-one. Uh, I mean, he had a. I, I just I remember this that he he scored his fourth touchdown against Illinois at the at the forty-yard line, and he kept running. Never broke stride.
1: <laughs> wow. Yes, he uh yeah, yeah he, he was just a uh a Mac truck, as we used to say back in the day. And he, just a great player and yes, big. That's I think what anybody would think of when they think of big and fast. Uh when you think of Keith Byers. And you know, again, just a name we all know, all recognize instantly. Uh and another one would be the, the Heisman Trophy winner from Nebraska, Eric Crouch. Uh you know, he was there in uh, 98 through 2001. Uh, I, of course, have, you know, have an appreciation for him now that I did. Since I went to my first ever Nebraska home game at Memorial Stadium against Ohio State uh, back a year and a half ago. And ever since then, I, I felt more of a kinship and, uh, with Nebraska and an understanding of what the Nebraska program is all about. Since basically they've sold out every game since 1961, <laughs> so something like that, which would include
4: Eric <laughs> Craft. Yeah, right. right. Uh, yeah, he 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 was a, a kind of a straight-ahead runner, John. But over 3,000 yards, he had excellent speed. I mean, you didn't catch him very often uh, when he was r- running down that sideline. He was very fast, and uh, but it, had, it was on some good Nebraska teams, of course. So uh, he ended up with 32 school records, John.
1: And that's saying something when you end up with that many at Nebraska. I mean, the Cornhuskers are obviously a legendary top ten program, with for sure. And, uh, yeah, that's just remarkable that he would have that many records. Um, I always remember, you know, they've had some good quarterbacks. Of course, we all remember, I believe, Jeff Kinney was the quarterback of the famous 1971 team. Uh, that won the yeah, National yeah, that,
4: Championship. He, he, he was... He was the tail the tailback, Jerry Tagge.
1: Jerry Tagge. Oh, okay. And Jeff Kinney was From Green the Bay, Wisconsin.
4: He was okay. the tailback, scored those four – I think it was four touchdowns against Oklahoma in that game,
1: something like that. Jeff Kinney did.
4: In that famous game. Jeff Kinney did, right.
1: Oh, so he was the tailback. Of course, Jerry Tagge was the quarterback, and we all remember the other running back, which is, of course, Johnny Rogers, who basically <laughs> – uh, made the difference in the famous game of the century in 1971 on Thanksgiving day when he returned the punt that basically (laughs) was the difference in the game. Um, Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for correcting me on that one. But yes. Uh, so yeah, Eric Crouch, he was just, uh, you know, tremendous player. And, you know, I think he's remembered as much, if not more so as a runner than a passer. He was that good of a runner.
4: There, Yeah, 3,400 yards, John. That's a quarterback record at Nebraska. Probably never be broken, I'm sure.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. And we have another, again, household name. Uh, We all remember him because he basically, as I remember, invented, or, well, he didn't invent it, but, you know, uh, end zone celebrations to an extent. And that, of course, would be Elmo Wright from the University of Houston, 1968 through 1970. Uh, went on to a terrific career with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, where he wore number 17. I think we all kind of remember that uh, part of his career, but we all knew about him in college, too. A colorful name and a, just a colorful player.
4: Yeah, John, everybody remembers that dance, that end zone dance that used to drive the opponents and the, uh, the coaches crazy because you're trying to stop this guy. And at that time... I mean, there weren't. I don't. I can't think of anybody else who had an end zone dance in college.
1: I think you might be right about that. We all, of course, remember Billy White Shoes Johnson kind of inventing it in the NFL. But I think Elmo Wright—that's what I was leading to. I I, and you would. You're a college football historian. I I feel like he's the one who pretty much invented it in college, because it just wasn't done back in those days. Period.
4: No, no. I mean. His yards per reception, um, in a, for a career, twenty-one point nine. I mean, John, that's two first downs every time he's catching the ball.
1: That's amazing. I mean, that is a remarkable. You know,
4: yards. Statistic. Yeah, let me repeat that, John. Yards per reception in a career, twenty-one point
1: nine. That's the ultimate big play player, to say the least. That's just an absolutely astounding figure uh, when you think about it now. So, AP, this is great. It's so much fun talking about these guys, taking a walk down memory lane. I think we're doing a lot of that these days. Uh, I referenced at the end of my segment, I watched Game 7, high, uh, highlights of the Celtics-Lakers from 1984. I remember where I was. Uh, as soon as the show's over, AP, at in 15 minutes, they're putting on Game Five of the 2004 ALCS: Yankees at Red Sox. Uh, and I was there, an AP to this day. It feels like you know the greatest sports event I've ever attended. And it's a very simple: why? Because for the moment, Ortiz tied it in the eighth. David Ortiz to the moment it ended in the 14th, I believe, or 15th, with the David Ortiz single, bringing home Johnny Damon. There was like 200 pitches thrown in that interim AP, and you had to exhale on every pitch at Fenway Park. I'll never forget as long as I live. The longest (laughs) sustained drama I've ever witnessed. You know, sports is often a burst of excitement, but that was like sustained drama for the better part of two, three hours. It was the longest game in the history of Major League Baseball at the time. So... We're getting a lot of that, and uh, my DVR is all set to record it, and at some point, uh, I will have time, we all do these days, it seems, to relive that magical evening. Started at 5 o'clock, got home at 2 in the morning. (laughs) So, in fact, they literally reserved a six-hour block. The game, MLB Network is showing it, it begins at 1 o'clock today, and it ends at 7 p.m., so that tells you how long it was, so I guess they're... They're they're going to show it live, 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 you know, as in they they won't be, as uh, Lindsay Nelson used to say, jumping to further action in the third quarter. (laughs) (laughs) I'll remember those days. Oh, I love that. Sunday morning, Notre Dame football. Uh, They they should bring that back during this time of nostalgia, shall we say. Um, We're at the end of our second segment together. So why don't we take our final break? So a few more things to get to on the other side.
3: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
2: Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast.
3: All the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to All Around Sports with your host John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show.
1: Voice America, listeners. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call in expert, AP Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And. For years doing this show, I've always had at this spot my pick of the week for appointment viewing. There's nothing live, as we all know, sadly. Uh, There is, however, as I just mentioned at the end of the previous segment, some great uh, old games are being played. And uh, At 1 o'clock today, Eastern, as in about 10 minutes from now, they're replaying Game 5 of the 2004 ALCS, Yankees at Red Sox. I was there. Maybe the best sports event I've ever been to in my life, and I'll leave it at that. So, AP, we were talking uh, previous couple of segments about the College Football Hall of Fame, one of our favorite shows every year to do as we walk down memory lane and talk about uh, this year's class, which is 2020. They will be inducted, scheduled on December 8, 2020, and. Midtown Manhattan. And AP, speaking of college, uh, and someday maybe we'll be talking about him uh, in the College Football Hall of Fame uh, Tua. Tua from Alabama. Uh, a lot of chatter on him these days. Uh, uh, centered around, you know, will the Washington Redskins potentially take him a year after drafting Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State? Are they going to take him potentially at number three? Um, despite the injury he had last fall, of which he, by all accounts, appears to be fully recovered. What are you hearing down there in Alabama?
4: Yeah, John, that's always a possibility. But the amazing thing, from my perspective, is the fact that you drafted Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State last year in the first round. And I don't know how much they've changed the scouting department but you're asking the people that you entrusted with the choice last year who told you that Dwayne Haskins was a first-round-level quarterback, and now you're agreeing with them possibly to say that, well, he was not the person that would need to lead our franchise. This is the person that we're going to select to be the face of the franchise and be the leader of our team. So we can't, I don't think we can state this enough, John, that even the people that their livelihood depends on them, selecting players, specifically quarterbacks, because that's such an important position. They don't even, they have not figured out how to evaluate that position.
1: Correct. Correct. And, I referenced this in a previous segment today. That you know, one of the uh, one of the things that sometimes slips under the radar is you know, Ron Revere is the new coach. He did not draft Dwayne Haskins. Period. So yeah. there's the the loyalty or what have you, the history would be a better word of saying it, is just not there. Um, it's, you know, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. It just isn't there, no. and that's no. uh, you know. That's where we're at. So, you know, Ron Rivera. uh, Heck, you could even mention Cam Newton, Um, for that matter, the history that Ron Rivera and Cam Newton have. And Cam Newton, as I discussed in the first segment, is certainly out there. Released a workout video this week. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, AP. It was black and white, which is intriguing. And he looked pretty good, to say the least. Um, so, So that's a big question, too on the NFL front.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if if I was going to be asked to join a team, one of the first uh, conversations that I would have with the owner and the general manager of general manager would be about the quarterback position. Correct. I'm not, I'm not coming aboard because it's crucial. My success as we saw bill Belichick and Tom Brady. That's been a dynamic duo for two decades. I must have some uh, influence in selecting the quarterback for our team. Right. Oh, exactly. So, yes. So, you know, you know, is, is any player and another uh, conversation would be, is any player expendable if I think that we need to go in a different direction? Right, right. Um, so it's, yeah, it seems like Dwayne Haskins is, he, he, he may not be part of that organization, you know or he'll they'll be displaced
1: you have to wonder yeah we're, we're at that point there's again a lot of chatter out there and Tua you would know better than anyone Tua seems like someone if if he's fully recovered and Tua like we all know and love him he, he is beloved um and he looks yes. like the ultimate leader of a franchise um you know and and I'm sure you would agree with that. I mean, again, just, you know, you know, a pretty legendary career, and but the ultimate leader, it appears.
4: Yeah, the players love being around him, and, and they take his lead. And like I said, I, I love his accuracy and his poise in the pocket and his decision-making. I right. mean, there's no perfect quarterback. I mean, he could be a little bit taller, could be durable, more durable, of course. That you're trying to do the best you can and giving yourself a chance to win. And with two in the ball game, as we've seen many times, you could be down and he has the capability and the poise to lead his team to victory. And we all know that the NFL, you're in many tight games correct so you know correct. how how well does he do against the bigger the better teams in tight ball games i mean on third down plays i mean when you need to have a, a completion or a play to be made i mean he's all you know, those are all checks in in my mind
1: and there's huge i mean you just mentioned you know poison the pocket and decision making and if you asked me what uh maybe the my the top two attributes of tom brady who i've had the good fortune to witness in person for the past 20 years those are those are two of the top three <laughs> right there and intelligence it's not about the arm it's you know it's not whether he can scramble or not we know we all know he can't but you said it perfectly poison the pocket decision making and obviously going with that is intelligence and yeah so i, I could see it you know uh Tua would be just uh, again uh Tremendous leader, and we all just really hope he is healthy uh, because he was a joy to watch. Uh, You know, I don't know that anyone has ever burst on the scene in college football, if not any other sport ever, better than Tua, (laughs) relieving Jalen Hurts and throwing the game-winning pass in overtime in the national championship game. So it's as good as it gets.
4: Oh, oh yeah, there's no more interesting story than not, you know, being a role player off the bench through the entire season. And then the second half, the coach puts you in the ball game and say, son, we're, we need you <laughs> to help us out right now. And right. by the way, there's a few, few million people watching.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he was a freshman, right?
4: <laughs> freshman right out of high school. Correct.
1: <laughs> On that note, we'll end it. <laughs> um, AP, as always, I want to thank you for calling in today and uh, stay safe, stay healthy down in Alabama. And we'll plan to do the same up here in New England. And once again, uh, appreciate you calling in and love your great perspective, especially on this show with the College Football Hall of Fame discussion right in your wheelhouse.
4: Hey, thank you. Thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. I really appreciate it and stay safe and hope the audience does the
1: same. Well, thank you, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern time.
0: Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 noon Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend and we'll talk sports again next week.